It's a Dungeons and Dragons podcast that'll really make you think. We're spicing up the rules, mashing up the homebrews, and stirring up the debates. Add a little touch of our own, and you have Chef Bogue and the Pirate Captain's Recipes for Everything. With your host, the Pirate Captain. It's not because I took on an entire ship by myself and walked away unscathed just off good looks alone. Chef Bog. I have in my rules for the original OG. Don't be a dick. And Lok the Bard. Lock the Bard. Bans all bards from his campaign. That wouldn't go over very well. And without further ado, here are your hosts. That is right. We're back at it again with another grand adventure. I am the pirate captain with me bestest buddies. Say hello, buddies. Hello, Bogue. Hi. And hello, Loke the Bard. Yellow. Ah. That's hello. right. We're back. We appreciate you guys always tuning in with us. Oh, yellow. Because that's what goblins are. Uh-oh. Are you a goblin now? Yeah. Is that what it's going to be? No. Oh. Just yellow. Okay. Uh, okay. Cowards. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're not goblins. Aren't cowards? Goblins are the mightiest, noblest. Okay, I can't say that. Goblins Straight faced. Ah, no one asked you. <laughs> I do love a good goblin, though. They're good. I, I goblins are the greatest, and we'll get into that later. But hey, welcome. You're listening to Chef Bolg and the Pirate Captain's recipes for everything. I am the Pirate Captain, along with me, bestest buddies, Chef. Uh, nah, Chef Bolg. Yeah, and Loke the Bard. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> And we've actually got a special guest. We're going to get to her. Uh, she's a returning guest. And you know what? I almost forgot what her name was, but we're going to let her reintroduce herself here in a bit. So we have, uh, I just want to th- thank everybody who's been listening to us throughout this month. So you guys are a big reason uh, this podcast has grown and that we've put so much time and effort into it. Uh, make sure you guys check us out. You guys check us out on Facebook. We have the Chef Bulg and Pirate Captain's Facebook page. And then you also have our email, bulgandpc at gmail.com. You can email us. We have other big projects coming in the works as this kind of picks up a little bit of speed, which in the last few episodes we picked up quite a bit of speed. Uh, there was a big, big uh, reach out when we did the shop episode when we were talking about D&D shops. And then our artworks racist episode actually did pretty well too. So, mm-hmm. And this one... I think it's going to do. We got a lot. Of, we got a few topics. We're getting back into the rules a little bit. I know last one was a little bit philosophical, but that's you know, these are questions that come up with the D and D world is you know philosophies. And with that, I do want to go ahead and introduce our special guest. Go ahead and say hi, special guest. Hello. Welcome back. Go ahead and tell everybody who you are. Uh, I am Rivara Rav for short because shortening names to three letters works for me. So into the <laughs> mic for me. So it, it, Rav's back. We had her in. It's actually one of our more popular episodes, too, from back in the day when she was actually one of our first uh, after Loke the Bard. She was actually our our first uh, special guest after Loke. When we, this is before mm-hmm. we knew Loke was going to be like a mainstay with us, but, you know. So we're glad to have you here, Rav. Uh, I'm like a fungus that grow on you. Uh, <laughs> yeah. We've been trying to get him off. We've tried burning him. We've tried killing him. We've tried hey. drowning him. It just doesn't work. That's the wrong way to get a bard off. <laughs> <laughs> I got to get the bleach spray. Got it. So, but wel- welcome into us, Rav. Uh, big topics for today. Uh, Bolg has come up with this one. He's a big fan. As you've heard us talk in the past about the Elden, uh, not Elden Ring, but the whole. That's the new one. That's the new one, right? Yeah. Which, uh, oh my god, it's so good. I know. We know so you. Good. Yeah. Uh, we've talked about Dark Souls, and Bolg's got a couple things he wants to talk about, the different D&D versions that have come out with that. Uh, we have also, I want to see 
what you guys think about character, what characters can carry. We were talking a little bit off air before we came in on this, and I was like, yo, you really can't go around carrying three great weapons. I don't care who you are. I think that's a little ridiculous. And can curses be good or bad? I think that you can actually curse uh, curse somebody and have a good curse, and that'll really mess with somebody. So uh, it's a look about that last night. Trying to curse somebody? <laughs> I'm just saying that seems like a loke thing where he'd actually give you a beneficial curse, and you're like, I don't, I don't know what to do with this. I plead the fifth. Exactly. <laughs> so, that being said, let's go ahead and get into that first topic. Like, you're you want to talk about these different versions of D and D? There's uh, multiple versions of D and D, and I'm not talking like Pathfinder or anything like that. I'm actually talking about, you know, there's a Rick and Morty D and D. And I like Rick and Morty like the rest of us. I've got Rick and Morty tattoos up and down my right uh, right arm. But, like, is there really a reason for a Rick and Morty d and I mean, created by Dan Harmon, right? Not Dan Harmon. Um, I don't you know. I don't think no, it was done it was, by Dan um, Harmon. I don't think it was Justin Roiland either. Hmm. All I know is that he's uh, really interested in D&D. And it, uh, for me, it, it made sense. You're, you're planes hoppers. You're going around to different dimensions. Why... Wouldn't you do a D&D Rick and Morty? Well, I mean, yeah, Dan Harmon's a big one. He actually had the series Harmon Quest, which actually I wish they would come out with a new season. I, it's a lot. It's really clever series that they did. It's on VRV, and it's him playing all, pretty much all the guys from Community is what it was. He grabbed all his friends and writers from Community and started playing D&D with them, and it's great. And I'm looking at it right now. Yeah, you can buy it, but it just... I don't know. It looks just like D and D, and that they slapped uh, they slapped Rick and Morty on it instead of just like I don't know playing Rick and Morty. Oh, it's that's actually pretty much what it is. It, well, but that that again that plays into the their dimension hopping. It makes sense that they go to a D and D dimension for fans of the game and fans of the show. It's just an entering interesting intersection. I mean, they did this they did this with My Little Pony for crying out loud. Bronies will give you anything. Yeah, and th- there are campaign settings and and uh, systems and add-ons that don't make sense in the traditional D and D. Like they, I, I know they came out with a, uh, a UA not too long ago where for modern weapons and modern warfare to be done using you know the D and D system. Um, traditionally, that's that's not what DMD is made for. That's not you know what most people the way they most people play it. But if that's the way, if that's what you're into, and that's what excites you and gets you playing, but th- but this is, I don't know. We've talked to it, we've talked plenty about it in the past about reskins, reskinnings of this, reskinnings of that. That's all I feel like this is is just a reskin. Yeah. Now, what's the difference? You were telling me about the the Dark Souls version of it. What's the difference between Dark Souls D and D and regular D and D? Like this one, I'm just looking at it. Yeah, you're, you're you're really just playing these same characters. Yeah, it's it's D and D with Rick and Morty, but the Dark Souls one's actually made by Steamforge Games, and it uses the Dungeons and Dragons Fifth Edition engine, and then tweaks it just a little bit to fit more with Dark Souls. I mean, uh, just looking at their Steamforge, I've already pre-ordered it. Of course, I have, but um, <laughs> well, it's. He's literally touching himself to this game right now. I am not. Yeah, it's just like any camp sa- campaign setting where, you know, um, yeah, there are certain classes and races that are going to be unique to this setting that are not available. And, you know, Dragonborn may not make sense in a Dark World so, campaign. But that's mm. that's part of that Zero session where you just come out and you say, hey, look, do not, you know, there's no Dragonborns. There's no magic in this campaign. Or something like that. Like, versus... 
like the difference between this Rick and Morty one and probably what the Dark Souls is is because you have a whole crew of like outside sources that are doing this. Uh, I I don't have like you got a Rick and Morty uh, screen protector. It, it's just re. Well, it's not D and D. It's just with, skin stuff. With Rick and Mo- with the Dungeons and Dragons Rick and Morty, it's you're playing Dungeons and Dragons with Rick and Morty. For the Dark Souls, you're playing Dark Souls with Dungeons and Dragons. So they've, uh, unlike the Rick and Morty where they put Rick and Morty in, Dar- in Dungeons and Dragons, they've taken Dungeons and Dragons and morphed it to fit Dark Souls. So you're not playing a Dungeons and Dragons campaign, you're playing a Dark Souls campaign. So what would make a player want to go grab that one, though? Like, what what's so well, special about the Dark Souls version other than maybe if you're a Dark Souls fan? Like, if I'm not a Dark Souls fan, which I'm not, what makes uh what makes your version better to do that? Most of these are also meant more for the DMs out there than the players. Yeah, <clears throat> it gives you the tool. I mean, yes, a DM could go and create his own Dark Souls campaign. Some one of us in this room, which I did have that. done, yeah. <laughs> and, um, and, and and that's a lot of work. And uh, I, <laughs> I had to bend rules. Then this actually gives me the tools to do this without having to, you know, rack my brain how to make a Dark Souls campaign work using Dungeons and Dragons. Somebody's already done it for me. Yeah. And I mean, you guys know I love homebrew. I love to work on it, but doing that campaign was week after week of torturing myself how to get strong enough monsters that you monsters could actually fight. Yeah, and you know me, I don't use campaigns. I use my own custom homebrewed world campaigns, but I could pick up this book and, you know, if I want to pull out the monsters out of this book or we, pull, you know. You absolutely could. I could. I've done that before. I, I You know, I'm a big fan of the Wheel of Time. I have the Wheel of Time campaign setting from, it was the the Roll20 system from when back when 3rd edition was out, and I've pulled you know, the, the Trollocs and Fades out of that and use them as bad guys in my custom homebrewed world um, so just because I thought those monsters were cool. In a way, it's just taking less time for you to world build and is giving you pre-designed monsters, races, settings. It's it's lessening the stress of being a DM. Yeah, and somebody's already done the math. Yeah. Because how strong is a Trollic? How strong is a... I, I can't think of a Dark, dark Souls bad how, guy off the top. How strong is an undead soldier? Yeah. I can guarantee you it's a lot stronger than a guard. Yeah. And, you know, if you use regular rules D&D and throw a zombie in, a level, you know, what a CR one quarter zombie ain't going to be a Dark Souls no, you're gonna, undead soldier. You're going to knock it down and it's going to be super easy. An undead soldier could kill you in two or three hits in the original Dark Souls. It's... And that's something that a zombie's not going to do to you. Yeah. Well, I, like I that, and that's why. Like I said, I want to make, I want to hear the argument of why I should buy something different versus you know, kind of creating it on my own and saving myself the money. Because these obviously they're coming out when they got new books coming out all the time. And wizards that we talked about this during lunch, Wizards of the Coast just won our money. Good job, Wizards, you got us. But this one, and, and looking through it, this is actually uh, like. Going back to the Rick and Morty version, it's actually more than just, oh, hey, we're reskinning Rick and Morty. I guess it follows their adventure that they did of a Rick and Morty, com- the comic book, where they were, it's D&D versus Rick and Morty. So it's just, you know, you know what it is? It's another campaign module. Yeah. So is that what your Dark Souls one is, or is it actually just like... No, it, it is a full source book. What, hold on, I can read you the uh, what's in the book. Uh, complete 5th edition rules enriched with signature Dark Souls mechanics designed for authentic campaigns, which... They do something instead of, because stamina is a huge part of Dark Souls, they use something called position, which your 
hit points are basically your stamina as well. You can use your hit points in order to... It's a trade-off system I thought was really interesting. Right. But I'll read more about it when it comes out, which will be, I think, in May. We'll see. Uh, but 10 bespoke new character classes for Dark Souls character creation, including new abilities, uh, new backgrounds, and more. A brand new magic system um, yeah, that has spells, pyromancies, and blessings. <laughs> we'll get on that eventually. <laughs> yeah. Um, a game master's chapter with tips and advice in running role playing games that capture the spirit of Dark Souls. Uh, full be- uh, bestiary teaming with deadly Dark Souls creatures and bosses and mushroom people and Lords of Cinder. Uh, it, there's. From what I'm reading here, it's trying to deliver a Dark Souls experience using the 5e mechanics. Whereas the Dungeons and Dragons versus Rick, Rick and Morty, it's kind of like an old box set skinned it, to be Rick and Morty. It's like I said, it, like reading through, because uh, I went to Books a Million and they gave a, a description of it. I, it's a series, it's done by the co author, and it's co authored uh, by Jim Zub, the co writer of the comic book series. Uh, but it's, it just follows their adventure. It's just a campaign. Yeah, you're you're paying thirty bucks, which is the average price price across all the sites for a new campaign. Right. And honestly, I, I the, the DM screen is about the only thing I like out of there. But yeah, and that's the other thing. As a Rick and Morty fan, you like that DM screen. If you're DMing a lot and you just want a fun DM screen, this is the only way to get that DM screen. I mean, it is a business at the end of the day. No, absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, it's a good good. Good for for Rick and Morty. They get the licensing money. Good for Wizards of the Coast. They get the you know their book money. Yeah. Uh, I mean it, that, that's that's like, how these products work. I'm not I'm not against it either. Like I don't want people to think I'm against it. But I, at the same time, you know, I you got to give me a good reason to buy these things. It's a justification well, as to why I should drop thirty bucks in order to get. Well, here's here's the thing: <laughs> is that Dungeons and Dragons didn't used to be part of the zeitgeist. It wasn't popular. Now you've got things like Rick Damn and Morty. You, Stranger Things. Stranger Things. You've got um, My Little Pony who are crossing over with Dungeons and Dragons, getting people who are yeah. invested in those things interested in Dungeons and Dragons. You youngins don't know the, the pain of the old days. <laughs> I you know, when Dungeons and Dragons is referenced in Nightmare on Elm Street three, you know, the loser kid in the who's paralyzed and fights Freddy as a wizard. Gets his ass kicked immediately yeah, by Freddy, and he's like, "I don't believe in fairy tales, kid." You know, um, Airheads in the '90s, yeah. Adam Sandler and, and uh, uh, Brendan, Brendan Fraser, Frazier. when he confesses to not always being cool, the first person who joins him in confessing, his confession is, "I used to play D and D." D and D's definitely become very popular over the so, years, and yeah, I guess yeah. that's so, kind of why yeah, it, things it, like this are coming out. Yeah, it, oh. is, it is a much different different environment these days. That's that mainstream, than, man. Like yeah. I said, sh- damn you, Stranger Things. Yeah, and so and, uh, and they have a Stranger Things. I know. Uh, module, yeah, module where you can play in the Stranger Things world. And I and, mean, and that what that does is fans of Rick and Morty who you know love their dimension hopping adventures. Walk into a shop or walk into the, well, they say like Amazon Roll20, uh, Fantasy Grounds, Books a Million, obviously Fantasy Grounds Roll20, but Amazon, if they go on Amazon and see Rick and Morty on the front page and it's Dungeons and Dragons, they're going to go, wait, they crossed over with that game? Let me see what this is about. And suddenly you have new players right there. I'm a Dungeon Master Morty. Yeah. <laughs> I'm Dungeon Master Rick. Yeah, and, uh, you know, oh gosh, Rick. how often does a new Dark Souls game come out? Every, what, three, four, five years? Sometimes longer. So, yeah, sometimes longer. So now, you know, these guys who who love the Dark Souls world, love the Dark Souls 
uh, setting and all that, and, and they've played all the games, they've beat all the games, they're tired, and they're looking for new fun in that world, for them to pick up the D&D version and go... Continue new adventures. I like don't like I said. I don't want people to like be listening and thinking that old pirate captain hates on uh, you know doesn't want it people to enjoy Rick and Morty or like have a D and D crossover. I don't. I think that's it. But like I don't know. I just I want to be able to justify why I'm spending thirty bucks when all I want is like the five dollar you know uh, DM screen. So what you would want more is a Rick and Morty source book using Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah, I want something like, you know, so something like that explains yeah, ex- exactly, <laughs> like the Dark Souls that explains like the mechanics of my portal gun or something like that. Like Yeah. Yeah. That's that's what I want. I just I, I want justification of why I would want to buy this outside that like I said the five dollar DMs. Yeah, but now, you know, the the guy who's running a book adventure every Saturday that's a different you know, where he's not writing his own stuff, he's not creating his own stuff. That this is a you know it's different. It's not going to be the same adventure that you had every other week. Yeah, you know it. It might be worth it for him to grab this thirty dollar adventure. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I, I Fair mean, enough. and you could easily drop in Rick and Morty showing up in your D and D campaign because. Oh, that's exactly what I need. Hoppers, yeah, look, so. look, I just need a cameo right here. Come on. Yeah, yeah, and they and I would not be surprised if there's a you know a character sheet for each of them with their stats and that you know. I think there is like looking at yeah. this right here. Uh, I've got it up on the screen, and there's like a little. It's like little, rain, uh, probably a thief or an assassin, Morty. It looks yeah. like he's playing an so orc. J- just off the top yeah. of my head, I mean, you could, you know, in your regular, if you're playing like a, a Doctor Strange multiverse of madness style campaign, they could be your big bads. Even just you yeah. just pull their stat blocks about, out of you there. You hear about this evil lich that's out in the outside of the, of the town who's turning the town into zombies. You walk into his lair, and all of a sudden, it's I'm Pickle Lich. Yeah. No, I'm Lich Rick. I'm Lich yeah. Rick. But this feels like something definitely that you don't have the time to plan a campaign yeah. or the group that you are playing with. Schedule scheduling conflicts are a major issue with D and D. You don't have time to meet up every Saturday, and this is something that can pass the time something you can come back to once or twice well, that's, a month i mean but that's any campaign though yeah. i don't need specifically this one to do that that's you know the the module books out there are plenty and uh, plenty and abound for yeah. that so but this is a if, if you played the standard D and some people after you play if you play every weekend multiple games a weekend sometimes you get tired of the the, the vanilla but that's, sword and sorcery medieval time setting. Okay, but that's on you and your friends. Like yeah. we've talked about that in but the this, past. This brings in a nice change of pace where it's yeah. you know something silly, not so serious. Uh, kind Whereas, of like uh, I, I remember a certain pirate camp captain running a campaign where we were in the uh, Christmas world fighting the characters from uh, the holiday specials, <laughs> like like Frosty yeah. the Snowman and Rudolph were like the bad guys with the greatest tango ever seen by two characters. Yeah, I mean, oh, I remember yeah. that one. That was a good one, though. I like yeah. that one. It's a, like a one-off, but, but you got to come up and, with stuff. And that's what this is: this, is it's it's a one-off for people. Yeah, I mean, just who looking at just this, don't have the time or imagination to come up with their own. <laughs> Look, looking at the, the really, stuff that's Mr. With Macho it. Man for every dwarf Ooh, ever. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, just looking at the stuff that comes with it, these books are tiny. They're yeah. meant to be completed in an afternoon. It's not... Yeah. It is a, well, I don't have anything planned today. Oh, well, I have the Rick and Morty Dungeons & Dragons box set, so let's I, just run that. Yeah, and I, I think probably I think uh, my biggest issue with it, and not to cut you off there, Luke, I think my biggest issue with it I, is 30 bucks for all of that. Yeah, and that, that, that when you get a, you know, a popular franchised licensing agreement, mm-hmm. you're paying for the license. It's, it's going to be more expensive than the... 
you know, third party, no name published adventure. Yes, it will be more expensive. I, mean, I see. And that's but why it's also I... got the collective the collectability. You know, you, there are people out there who collect the Rick and Morty stuff mm-hmm. who are probably buying this and never opening it. Oh, yeah, was, definitely. Yeah. I, I, I'd mentioned my, my Wheel of Time one from back in the Roll20 system. I have never actually played that game. I've, I owned it from the day it came out because I'm a huge fan of the system, of the the, story, the novels. Right. I, and I had everything in hardcover form, and that came out as a new thing, so I bought it right away. <laughs> I mean, I like, I don't know. Like I, I said, mean, my, my biggest argument, I, I'm not telling people not to buy it, but I right. think, like, it, one is probably like there, it has to be something different, especially if I'm going to be charged thirty bucks. It's got to be something like where it's a whole new rule set, like the Dark Souls one, versus you know it's just another campaign module. Because I don't even think I well I don't know some of the module books are expensive too. Well, that and yeah. I, I'm actually with you. I'm not spending thirty bucks on this. I'm not. It it I like Rick and Morty. I love Dungeons and Dragons. I'm not spending thirty bucks on it. No. Yeah, and but I'm, I'm not a Rick either. and Morty fan, so I but sixty nothing bucks. against them. They're, it's an entertaining show, but I, I don't have tattoos of them on my arm, so yeah. I'm not buying it either. <laughs> <laughs> but sixty bucks for a Dark Souls book that has entirely like it works off of five E, so it's a system we all know. Right. It's got tools for DMs to create your own campaign. It's not just a module. Yeah, I'm going to drop 60 on that. Yeah, and the cover price of the DMG or the player's handbook, you know, that's got right in that same price range. So Right. Which um just a quick shout out if this interests you at all the Dark Souls stuff, it's on Steamforge Games. You can pre-order it now. Um pre-orders come with a PDF, so you'll get it before the actual book gets to you. So you can know, you can start playing now instead of well not now, but when when you get the PDF instead of waiting for that hardcover to book, but the book is going to be really nice. Yeah. All righty. Enough, enough complaining about the prices of modules. I have something bigger to complain about. Why the fact can you carry three great weapons? Because I'm strong. That is bull. Yeah. <laughs> that is bull. Not yeah. bull. Bull. In, in, encumbrance rules are completely by weight, not yep. yeah. logistics. And it, they're also one of those things that, you know, it, you're on the honor system a lot of times that you're tracking your own because. There's too many numbers already for the DM to be tracking. He's not going to track your encumbrance. He's not going to check no. to see how much you're carrying on yeah. your person. That, that's crap. I think I mean, we you might you might throw the question mark up when he's like, "Okay, I drop my great sword and pull up my great axe." Then there's a How do you have those both? Well, and and that's what yeah. I want to get at. Like, why isn't why are we keeping fa- tra- better track of encumbrance? One of my favorite D&D games is an Xbox game uh that was out for Xbox 1. Uh, D and D. Oh, what was the name of it? Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, give me a second. Adventures in the Sword Coast. I don't think so. Hold on, let me pull it up. But that anyway, was... yeah, yeah. But with the video games, it's easier because you've got the computer calculating your encumbrance yeah. Yeah. for We're you. We're using pen and paper uh, you know, and uh... just like you know the whole Skyrim. As silly as their, <laughs> uh, yeah, as silly as the Skyrim encumbrance system is, that it just slows down your walking speed. The computer does it automatically. It's yeah. not something you have to think about and that watch. It, that's it yeah. right there. Heroes of uh, Dungeons & Dragons Heroes. Great game. Absolutely, I recommend if you ever see it on Xbox or Xbox, uh, hopefully it'll come out on Game Pass. It's worth playing because you can actually get all four of us can play on one thing. There's a couple cheats that you can do without actually putting in like cheat codes that you can like multiplicate uh, certain items. Uh, but it was a great game. Uh, me and my buddy beat it like back to back to back to back to back because once we figured it out, we figured it out. But... You when you can't carry something, it stops you, hundred yeah. percent. And I get it. You're right. You know, you got a game that calculates all the math for you and does it. Yeah. 
But why don't we? Why why can't we put a little bit more pressure onto players to do this? Yeah. Because there's no reason a wizard is carrying four hundred, like forty pounds worth of stuff when they barely like their strength is in the negatives. Yeah. Oh yeah. And, definitely. And, and, you know, those of us who've been in the military and have marched long distances with rucksacks on our back, even if it's not, you know, ridiculously over your weight limit, after a five mile march. Yeah, 15 yeah, pounds that, is going to feel a lot heavier yeah, than 15 pounds. Yeah, yeah, and, and, you know, yeah, your strength modifier may say that you can carry 300 pounds of, you know, equipment. But then if you're on, a, you know, you guys are constantly traveling on foot for long distances. Right. You know, to go from one dungeon to the other in full gear, <laughs> you yeah. know, averaging 20 miles a day or whatever. I, I don't know the exact daily we, walking speed. We've all been in school. We know those backpacks. Right. What a bitch they are to carry around. But, and that's what I'm saying is like we, you know, we we will punish players with exhaustion if they do things outside of, you know, certain abilities will give you uh, levels of exhaustion the more you use them. So why aren't we doing that with what we carry? Why aren't we as you know, especially as players? Like I get it, we're already trying to skirt the system and stuff. But and there's weights and everything. Yeah. And I understand, you know, maybe not everything's going to have a massive weight. Like, am I really going to add, unless I'm carrying my quarter staff, like, uh, like it's in my pack versus, like, if I'm walking with it, there's a difference. Yeah, and, and there's also things, like, if you're carrying a quarter staff or a great sword or, you know, and you're walking through doorways, yeah. you know. Yeah, I will say, uh, for those that use D&D Beyond, there is, like, when you're creating your character, you can click it to where it will tell you, how much weight it is you're carrying with all your equipment, your backpack, everything. Yeah. But most of the time, people turn that off because why do we want to see how much we're carrying for yeah, eight and, hours and, a day? Like I said, most of the time in most campaigns, you know, if you're a three-person campaign, you know, the DM may be a little more strict on it. But you know, our typical game of six to nine people, you're that logistically that's logistically too much for the D. It's completely got to be honor system of the no, players. Like, and why not do just like a random weight check? Like, why not come in and go, uh, all right, everybody tell me how much you're carrying. Like right now, like you got to stop. You got like stop before the game even starts. I don't. I don't want you to stop mid game unless you get loot for some reason. But I'm just going to be. We're playing. Uh, right. We're, we're coming up on the session, and here I am, DM pirate captain. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I'm looking at Rob, I'm looking at Bolg, and I'm looking at Loke, and I'm going, all right, guys, random weight check. I want you to weigh all the items in there, and let's make sure that you guys are and, not... And Bolg's great maul, great axe, combo, three great weapon combo. I'm going to be... Because he doesn't wear any armor, because he's a barbarian. And, that's and I don't carry any uh, survival stuff, because yeah, I so, kill what I, I eat, So but all, I kill. all his weight is in those three weapons. He's mm -hmm. under the limit. By mm -hmm. the rules, he's good. Right. Yeah. But Loke the Bard, yeah. who's got all his survival equipment, his instruments, his uh, potions, and maybe some extra, his armor that he's wearing, you're going to tell me that you well, don't. And some of that is even gets ridiculous because I, I am a, when I play, I tend to be a preparer. My, you know, I'll, I'll have the, the salt and the chalk and the candles mm -hmm. and the, yeah, you'll you know, have all silver dust and, you know, all these little trick things to, that'll help in, you know, as, uh, from experienced dungeoneering stuff for right. traps or specific monsters or specific, you know, weaknesses that your character in world would know about, uh, like a hand like carrying a hand mirror so you can look around a corner. I used to do know? that all the time. Yeah. It was one of my favorite things. But all, you put all that in your bag, 
and so it instantly appears in your hand every time you need it. You know? yeah. Right. No, that's, <laughs> I mean, you know, that'll lead into another thing yeah. is like, you know, like how long does it take you to ha- get that stuff out? Like what's in your pockets versus what's right. in your pack? Well, that's, yeah. a, uh, that's, and you can always action. find, you can always find the act, the potion with one action. Yep. <laughs> yeah, six and, seconds. And to be fair, it kind of gets a little a, wonky when you have like a bag of holding. Because yeah, at yeah. that point, no, 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 no. We we've been we give out bags of holding like it's yeah. nothing. Like we're yeah. we're pretty and, much bags of holding as it is. And, that, you don't and need that's to why I do anymore. it because I that that is my workaround. Is if if it's starting to get to the point where you know uh, what people are ca- carrying is getting immersion breaking. Yeah. All of a sudden, they find a bag of holding, so I don't have to deal with it. Yeah, anymore. once that bag of holding is in your possession, everything goes I mean, into it. That, I don't care what it is. But that yeah. th- th- it looks like this. So I got this photo on the. We're, we're looking at a screen right now, and I got this photo of a guy carrying just like an arms full of toilet paper. That's what it would look like, essentially going through D and D. Now we're trying to like Not immerse weight, yeah. immerse ourselves in some. I don't know. Those toilet paper rolls look pretty heavy. That might be two ply. Yeah. <laughs> so all I'm saying is, is we we've put we put a little bit of try to be realistic as as much as humanly possible and i get that but why are we not like trying to do better about making sure that we have characters there's no way a wizard's carrying around a four like not all wizards there are wizards that have you know strength modifier a good strength modifier or strength yeah. uh stat but i'm just in general well and there and there are like i said it's on the players in most cases you know there are some of us who if i create a scrawny weak wizard I don't collect nothing. I, you know, I, he's not carrying nothing just for that reason because yeah. it, it's part of the, part of the role playing in the story that he's so pathetically weak he can't Half carry this stuff. Your encumbrance is taken up by your spell book anyway. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Your so, spell book is the one thing. You I mean, can carry. No, no, that's it. In early levels, it's a spell scroll. Let's just yeah. be honest. <laughs> and that, then you make a summoner who can just make all the tools you need appear out of nothing, mm-hmm. and then, then you're still good. <laughs> and that's fine. I just I. I was thinking about this. I was looking through D and D Reddit, and somebody was talking about that. I was like, yeah, "That's a good point. Yeah. Why don't we put a little bit more focus on some? Because I know people that'll harp about rules about you know flying or you know how chromatic orb works or something as simple as like that. Or the ba- remember when we used to have the bouncing flaming sphere? Mm-hmm. That yeah. was always a fun one. I love that one. Yeah, and it's also you know <laughs> it's it's all who you're playing with too. There is you know the people who are are fudging their roles and 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 cheating just to to quote-unquote win D&D are probably the same ones that you got to spot check to make sure they're not over their encumbrance because, you know, they're trying to win D&D and they've got everything. They, and, you know, players like that are probably going to pencil in stuff and take stuff out as needed anyway, so it, you're not really accomplishing anything by cracking down on them. <laughs> oh, the, uh, in our first campaign, I know... Uh, Hildir is really close to her encumbrance because she's carrying all those bottles of alcohol. She's got a couple of axes, some hand axes, uh, heavy armor. I know she's near her encumbrance, but I make sure that she stays under it because while I optimize, I don't like to, like, fudge the numbers because that's not the point of D&D. The point of D&D is to role play. Yeah, and and it's, it, and some things have. I mean, it's part of the... the the contract, I guess, that one falls on the player. Encumbrance is one of those things. Uh, you know, if it matters to you especially, it's on you to keep track of it. Um, now, and the DM's got enough on his plate already. I, I And like I said, I, I get that, but I just I want to see. I, it was something that somebody had brought up, and I thought it was a great point because it also kind of leads into, uh, and this may be into a giant different topic, should you be taking your backpacks into dungeons or should you be stowing them somewhere 
because you don't know, you know, well, let's say somebody does die in that dungeon and now you got to carry their stuff out because they may have all the stuff you need. How are they going to now they got to carry two backpacks? How are they supposed to fight? How this, are we supposed to do all this? This actually happened in our late, late game yesterday, kind of. the uh, One of the characters was, who we started a new campaign about five or six sessions ago, and uh, he, he just wasn't happy with his player and with his character, and he you know is early enough still that we could swap him out. Uh, so we rode in where that character left. Well, that character left. He had been the one that was carrying all the gold and silver from the previous. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and nobody took it from him before he left because they didn't know in story. In Of course, all the players knew he was switching. But, but nobody, the, nobody in, in, character. in character knew that he was going to decide to run away and never come back. And How so do you nobody... run, You're not supposed to run away <laughs> from the circus. You're supposed to run away to join the yeah, circus. Yeah, well. Well, he saw him dead and was like, I'm not doing this. I think yeah. it was also he had died too many times. Yeah. He was like, yeah. I'm out. That, that I'm character done. in the in the five sessions we had, I think, had been dropped to zero five times. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I like, but that's the thing is like, so now, in, why, why, it, it leads into this imposing of penalties. And I, I, I don't want to punish players. I absolutely don't. Players. Don't deserve to punish. We talked about that with James in here. You know, there's an unwritten contract of DMs wanting your players to have fun. But we got to make it, sometimes you got like, challenges. Yeah. And that's a challenge. Is You know, being able to, like, oh, man, what, yeah, do I bring, do I bring like, four candles or this little bit of gunpowder? Like, you know, how am I, how am I varying this? Do I have the barbarian that carries my stuff for me because I physically can't do it because I'm, I'm just more of a weaker character? Oh, that was the, the other thing with Bolg is that he... He did carry somebody's stuff because they couldn't carry it. Yeah, he, uh, he. I think he carried most of the loot that we picked up in the dungeon because he had the spirit. Of course, Bolg was a little uh, rule stretchy. I mean, uh, the DM who ran that allowed me to go. I was far above twenty as I wanted to go. I think at the end he had a thirty strength, so he was ridiculously strong. Right, and th- and Godly that's strong, and that's okay. Like, but you know but what? What kind of penalties are now you incurring because you can't obviously. Carry two I great weapons and carry somebody else's stuff carry, and carry your stuff. Carry three great weapons, packs full of equipment, and I'm eight foot eleven. I'm not fitting through a single doorway. Yeah, I mean because we happen. we busted on him when he was a senator and he, he couldn't climb a rope ladder. We all looked it, at him and was like, "There's no way in hell you're climbing a rope yep. ladder." It's like the uh, is it okay to meet or women? I'm screwing up the name of the animal. How to okay pick, to pick up pick girls, girls in dungeons? dungeons. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The the the. The one sidekicks who carry the giant backpack. The giant backpack. There's no way you're fitting through a door with <laughs> no. that thing. Uh, that that's just. But that that's that's the way almost every D and D character probably looks, who's a per, any kind of prepared <laughs> character. Because and, and that a lot of it comes from the old days where you know you had to have your your rope and your ten foot poles. How many people in the old D and D editions ten foot pole was a standard piece of equipment? Yep. A ten foot freaking pole. <laughs> Where are you carrying a ten foot pole in your backpack? You know, you gotta have one of those backpacks right there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, I, I well, I mean, even with starting equipment, I I actually get rid of some starting equipment that I just don't ever plan on using. Oh, yeah. uh, well, that's an easy way to get gold in the beginning of the game. Yeah. Do you let your players do that? Yeah, do you let your absolutely. If they don't, if they have stuff that they don't want to have, sell it. I give you book value. You can always try and get more than that by talking your way into it of course if you fail you might be in end up paying more or or yeah, not I, getting as much I, i'm a jerk you don't sell for book value you sell 
like half book value unless you talk. <laughs> you about sell yeah. for the loke value. Yeah. Well, it, at the beginning, book value, but later on, yeah, you're, you're going to talk to a pawnbroker who's going to try yeah. and screw you out of everything. What you got? Have Rob? it start off with one of my characters for one of my games that I'm in. He was arrested before the campaign started, so he had nothing. Mm. Then again, he was also a monk, so it didn't quite matter. But it's like ah. he, he showed yeah. up with nothing. The old Morrowind trope. Yep. We've done. We've done. You know where you were survivors of a shipwreck. You know, you weren't expecting it. You, all your gear you didn't have. See, um, I'm fi- I'm fine with that one, but you can't. But nobody's allowed to cast the Goodberry spell. Yeah. Well, if you don't have the what is it? It's not mistletoe for. Yeah, it's mistletoe. Is it mistletoe. I think it is mistletoe. mistletoe. Yeah. 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 If you don't that that that's the the DM trick uh, to get around the Goodberry. Yeah, but is the, you make sure they don't have they, if they don't have their spell focus and they don't have uh, the material component. They can't cast that spell. Well, yeah, that was uh, when when they washed up. I used a sharp piece of coral to kill those sailors. Backstory: uh, prostitute got raped on a. On a yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Every Revenge. two back, every two backstories will be Revenge. the same. Yeah, with him at least. But it's it's just me busting his balls too. But it's uh, it's one of those things. Um, whoa, there was a the YouTuber, um, the spellbook guy. Uh, the D and D spell book. Uh, he uh, does the animated spell book. That's it. Yeah. yeah. And he was telling the story about how the Goodberry can pretty much ruin a campaign because if you're out in a wintry area, you need mistletoe. Mistletoe is actually a winter plant. So in the and it actually, I think it grows. Uh, I think it grows in a lot of places more than just in cold areas. Well, and Five E has made survival campaign like setting type stuff like that very difficult because if you have the Outlander background. You get mm-hmm. the bonus where you can gather food and water for like eight people. Yeah, something like that. Or without using a spell slot, all you have to do is expend. A, I don't yeah. remember. That's a or you're a ranger and you're in your favorite terrain. You can forge to up to X amount of people. Yeah. So it definitely Goodberry definitely changes the game. Yeah. So when it comes so to the that good, sort of thing. Goodberry and the, yeah, and the Goodberry on top of that, you, you're now feeding eight people or whatever, but. So D and D has made it so it's very difficult to pay, play those survival games. So you, as a DM at the zero session, you're going to have to, you know, work those out. You can't have this background. You can't, you know, you can't have the favored terrain of frozen tundra, uh, and, and nobody has mistletoe on them to start with. You know, <laughs> yeah. I mean, who who randomly just goes? You know what I got in my pockets right here? I got this candle, some gunpowder, bat guano. And some mistletoe. Yeah. <laughs> the I, the four essentials. You know, yeah. you, you never know what you're going to need bat guano for, but gunpowder, I can I can tell you, a million and one uses for gunpowder. Well, and and some, I mean, some of the material components. I know we've we've talked about material components before, but some of them get kind of silly how hard they would be to find. Like like, like with your druid my, who my, has to hunt on a full moon yeah, for my, a specific plants. My, my druid is a level fifteen druid. One of his six level spells to cast the Dru- Druid Grove spell, you need a you need piece of mistletoe that's been gathered on a full moon with Ow. a golden sickle. Yep. What the hell is with mistletoe? Like, yeah. Who who in D and D is like running out? Uh, well, I think what it is is the writers of D and D don't know uh, a lot about herbs and no, because mistletoe <laughs> and is, those... is is uh, poisonous. Yeah. 
But that's what I'm saying. I don't think they know a lot about herbs, so that's the one they've all heard of because it was Christmas stuff. Druid Grove. Uh, it requires verbal, somatic, and material components, which is uh, mistletoe, which the spell consumes, mm-hmm. that was harvested with the golden sickle under the light of a full moon. Right. So you have to be like almost in the right place, right time, right uniform for the military folk out there. Yeah, so you, so you not only have to be where mistletoe is growing, you have to harvest it with a golden sickle. Uh, you know, in, in that campaign, my character is a uh, a murder hobo. He he is literally a hobo. He he, I mean, most druids are. Yeah, he, but he, this he you know is wearing cast off clothes and smells really bad. And uh, I, I based the character kind of off the murder hobo from uh, the book, something full mur- murder hobo. <laughs> <laughs> that was that's where I, he was based off. Of. And you know, for him to get that golden sickle. To be able to, to to harvest the mistletoe, you know, to get to be wherever he's able to cast this spell, he had to get help from the party to do it. And, and, cause now you got to convince them. Yeah, because yeah, he doesn't have the money for that kind of thing. Um, and then after all that effort, I was able to find enough to cast the spell once. And then I have to wait another 30 days or 28 days or whatever it is for a moon cycle on that DM's world. To try again on the next full moon. We get one full moon every 30 years. Yeah. And if that's the way the DM wants to run that campaign, that's his world. He can do that. It could be a full moon every day. If, you know. Yeah, I just want to see somebody being covered by having so much mistletoe now. Right. <laughs> well, and, you know, and that's the other thing. And, you know, my campaign world has multiple moons, uh, you know, so it, it's much easier to, to pull a spell like this. Because there, you know, it doesn't say which moon has to be the full. Yeah. Or, yep. but, but it would be bad if you're in a campaign where there are no moons, or you're not on that material plane that has yeah. a moon. Yeah. Which, yeah. So, I, oh I, no. Now, th- this particular spell is not one of those that's the, you know, make or break your your character spells. It's not one you absolutely have to have. But that's all. This is also one of those spells where if you cast it every day for a year in mm-hmm. the same place, it becomes permanent. You know, which the high level campaign characters heading towards retirement, you know, he's going to need that 365 uh, units of of mistletoe harvested on the the full moon in order to retire into his grove when the campaign's over. Yeah, he could always find it after and he could always set up his grove after the last. But for that story element, yeah, the story element, he's got, you know. When they're on their downtime, that's what his current goal is would be right now is to to complete that that grove, so that when we hit that level twenty and are ready to retire that character and move on to the next one, you know it feels like I actually accomplished it instead of, you know, just wrote about it afterwards. You know, I don't know. Sometimes writing off that stories are great. Yeah. Speaking of stories, how hard is it to juggle multiple campaigns? We have our multiple campaign expert over here. Not Bulg. We got Rob. Rob's the real multiple campaign expert. <laughs> yeah. Um. So. Backstory. You got to give backstory to how many campaigns okay, you're actually Okay, that's what I'm playing. actually doing right now. Give me a second to count in my head. Two. Four. Two, because Saturday we have our two games. So I'm currently, do I count one that I'm, ones I'm going to run? Mm-hmm. Uh, seven. Uh, currently, no, hold on. I, I had to swallow my drink because I almost spit it back out. <laughs> Seven. Yes. Yeah. Not all of them are running 
at like the same time. Oh, clearly. And not all of them are currently in progress, but yes, I'm currently in seven campaigns. So obviously it's, and that's the idea is that we're getting ready to get into is like, how do you jumble all these? Because, you know, sometimes everybody will have that little bit of one character that bleeds into the next, it bleeds into the next, it bleeds into the next, you know, mm-hmm. I was jo- joking about Bolg, how every two, uh, every two stories, backstories he tells are the same backstory. It's just a different, a different era. That's all it is. Jokes on him. But, you, you know, when you're playing different stories and stuff like that, you get, how do you keep characters from running into each other? Yeah. Um, I will say, so, the minus the two that are in person and the one that I'm going to be running in person, uh, we use Discord. So, that is bonus uh, servers that have our character stuff on different servers, whole nine yards, lore, information. So that does help. If I was doing this in person, do not ask how. Um, I would probably crumble under that pressure. But You were telling me you have like four notebooks. I do have four notebooks. Uh, four notebooks. Each notebook is for a different character so I can write down information, write stuff the DM gives me. Um, I have all four of them in my backpack at home. Uh, and it's, it's how I personally keep track of all of my stuff. Um, and, of course, with those campaigns as well, we use D&D Beyond, so it helps a little bit in the more with keeping track of all of it. And, like, to be honest, I don't know how I keep all those characters in my head and not have them bleed into each other. And they're all very different, though. That's the thing. I try not to make characters that are the same. I want to explore those different mm-hmm. aspects Write this of down, character bold. sheets. I'm just giving you crap. But, But, and honestly, they're all completely different. So it really helps not having them fight. That that that's one of my tips. I would say as well is, you know, if if you're doing multiple at the same time, you don't, you know, don't don't make them all barbarian. uh, You know. Orc barbarians, orc barbarians from a tribe that was killed, you know. Who, who liked to cook. You know? <laughs> <laughs> you know, Getting very then, attacked right now. <laughs> <laughs> then it's going to be very difficult to separate. Like, Good thing you're, about barbarians. You're, you're, you're the, old, to damage. But you're I the mean, only person that I know that's played the same character twice, and I think that's why we just kind of like brush, beat Three times you. now. Yeah, see, I played it for a one shot for see, her. See? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but like, I, for example, uh, you know, the original Lock the Bard and a character I had in a bold campaign, uh, Toe Leaf Eater, who was actually a, another pirate character. Because uh, pirates are cool. To, to, if, if, I, if I were playing those two characters at the same time... Yeah, you know, there's the, no way. The, ro- the rogue spellcaster and the bard... <laughs> They're kind of going to overlap yeah, and gonna bleed. bleed into I mean, each yeah, other. there are certain character yeah. types that you're going to have that run right. every caster. You're going to be like, well, what's different between right. a sorcerer and a wizard? Really, not a whole lot. Let's right. just be exactly. honest. Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, if my advice, if you're playing in multiple campaigns at the same time, you know, uh, Mr. Whiskers, uh, the dwarf cat artificer, uh, playing at the same time as you know Poe Leafeater, the the pirate probably easy to keep those two separated yeah um yeah no it's it's like with mine like the two that i mainly pop into my head are two very different characters one being a monk what elf i have a type um and the other one being a dampier fighter 
they're two very different, very different backstories, very different upcomings. And what they're going into are two very different things. So it it helps when you have like that in your head and knowing that these two will never bleed over into each other. Yeah. I try to have a, if I'm playing, because I play in the two campaigns, I play with the, the first campaign that I play in Lokes, I try not to have a marshal and a marshal or a spellcaster and a spellcaster. I try to do a marshal and a spellcaster, which is before your current campaign was on, I had Forpton, who was a warlock, but I was also playing Hilly, who was a fighter. And now that we've started the new campaign, I've got um, well, what Florence, you- who's a bard. So now, but here's the question, because we have a, we we all know a certain person that hates spellcaster classes so much that somebody had to create an entire campaign to make him play spellcaster classes. But I want to play different multiple melee classes because I prefer the melee. Think about that, because now you're having that challenge. Now you've got to be able to keep the personalities of multiple people out there different, because yeah. one could be lawful good. He's out there and he's doing the right thing by the world. He's the debonair rogue that's taking on pirate ships mm-hmm. or it could be you know chaotic evil and he's out there fighting for whatever religion he likes like some kind of paladin that prefers pass uh, pacifism you know just try to keep these guys separated yeah and and that's where you you do other things with the backstory the you know mm-hmm. just because they both can use a sword doesn't mean they have to make Not one use a sword all. one use an axe you know, that way you, you're keeping them separate in your head where they're not going to overlap too easily. But how do you and, keep their personalities? I think is the yeah. is the thing that I really want to touch on is how do you keep the personalities? Well, Seven campaigns, she's DMing three of them? Uh, I'm going to be DMing two. Two of them. All right, so two of them. So five campaigns, five separate characters Yeah. that you have to keep those personalities. You're almost like splitting your personality. It sounds like a TikTok trend. It does. Well, that, I I have no advice for that kind of thing. I, For me, I build that personality based on their backstory. I figure out how they're going to act and how they're going to be. But I don't know how to give advice on how to do that because it's something that is very difficult. And it's hard not to have those bleed personalities bleed into well, it. Well, and your own personality is going to always yeah, yeah. My personality well. is always going to be ingrained a little Every bit into Every character those will always have something of you. Yeah. Well, it, yes. It's regardless, like yeah. even the best actors, you know, you see, think about how many different characters Robert Downey Jr. has played. And if you actually go back and watch him in some of his er- earlier movies, he's still the same guy even before he was Iron Man. Like, he played that kind of, like, suave, debonair guy. Well, the first movie I can think of seeing him in is U.S. Mar- uh, US Marshals. And he was the bad guy there, but he still had that kind of, like, yeah, about him. Yeah. So that's what I'm saying. Every character is always going to have a piece of you. Yeah. But so, how do so we... So when you build that backstory, you know, the the rogue, you give him some kind of the tragic Batman-style, uh, you know, dark, broody, uh, you know... Dead parents. My kind parents of were killed, and now I'm out for revenge. Yeah, and and then for the for the you know shiny holier that now paladin, you give him the parents. You know, you give him. He was raised <laughs> in the church. I like he, how we went his, like his, 180 with each other. <laughs> his parents. His parents were you know priests and and you know raised him to be the good old boy and you know make him the all shucks you know super clean cut uh, boy from Kansas and then you know. Mm-hmm. If you're mate playing in a third campaign, well, maybe you're playing a woman character who came from an isolated island. 
<laughs> I, well, Zack Snyder, and, let uh, me tell you. And uh, and like I say, Zack Snyder had four distinct characters. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but every day you make the, me want to uh, shut off your mic. <laughs> That's the, what character, I'm here for. the character sheet has a tool that not a lot of people utilize is those little personality blocks. Um, those, I think, I fill them out with not necessarily with what's in the book, but with what I have, mm-hmm. just to keep notes on keeping people straight. Because if I and, and if I remember right, and somebody can you know quote me on this and tell me I was wrong, but I don't think it actually tells you you have to use those background. No, no, those are no, those are suggestions, suggestions. based yeah. on some of them are yeah. based on alignment, some of them are based. They give on, you yeah, and they give yeah. you a dice a die roll. So you if you're mm-hmm. you're trying to play completely random, but I I I like filling those out too. Usually I don't because it's in my backstory. Like I know, hey, I am. The pirate captain. I am a guy that was mutinied on my own boat, left to die, gained a drug addiction. Now I'm a drunk, ran into, saw somebody that needed my help and made me think, how can I use this to myself? So on and so forth. You know, that's, that's, what are my convictions? What are my personality traits? What are my. Actually, I just pulled up on my, I, I have my character sheets all on my phone. For my murder hobo, for the ideal section here, uh, I have that he wants to be civilized, but doesn't understand what that is, because he's yeah. you know he's a yeah. hobo that was raised by wolves. Basically, um, he is that, Somebody that's part of his spray bottle. He's humping yeah. his leg again. <laughs> yeah, and then you know for the bond section, I've got on here that he it's a loyalty to the pack. That he sees the team that we've developed, the party, as his pack, so he's loyal to them. But as the you know he he doesn't get the morals and and behaviors of regular society. So those bonds don't hold for him. His bond holds. He takes care of his friends, his family, his team. Um, and then for like the flaws, I put in here that you know, common is not his first language, right? And so he says things kind of weird sometimes. Like uh, the one of the big things from his backstory was there was a monster he called civilization that killed his family. Um, so you know, and. All his stuff, he was like, I'm going to destroy civilization. Well, people take that as, you know, <laughs> you know he's a monster threatening uh, to, to destroy civilization. Mm-hmm. Not understanding that that is, you know, he, he, is, yeah, he is literally referring to a monster that he believes the name of that monster is civilization. Not understanding that in common, that is the same word, you know, for, you know, yeah, communities people. and that kind of stuff. And that, that's a big part of who he is and his personality. And just having those little notes on here, um, you know, when I start playing, you know, we play next week. Actually, next week that game is uh, the the DM had to to put the take a week off from that game, so it'd be two weeks. So you know, two weeks from now, when we play that game again, I read those traits and oh yeah, this is what that character's like. Yeah, there are yeah. it's right there on the character sheet. I remember that stuff. Um, so it, I will it makes say it, uh, something I've helped and like developed with because i know when you're building your character you can always like google like questions on how like stuff to implement in your character's backstory i've taken those things and i've done a tag basically called warm-up questions where you'll generate one of those questions and answer it as your character which has significantly helped me in figuring out people's like backstories what they're trying to do who this person is and it ranges from the silliest thing of like could they take care of a houseplant all the way up to 
what is their personal hell like? Yeah, I've, and I've, that I've, helps so much. This I've is my personal with, hell. I've I mean. played with DMs <laughs> who don't want an actual backstory from you. Why? But what they want is they give you it's a writing exercise form that is like mm-hmm. questions like that. That they're asking you about your character. Who is your who is the most important important person in your character's life? Uh, you know what does your what is your character's goals? What are their ambitions? And it'll be just a questionnaire mm-hmm. of these things. And you know, so your backstory comes out while you're playing. Yeah, obviously you still want to create your own backstory, but he doesn't want to know what it is. He needs those key points to develop the campaign to hit. But you know, as your as your character develops across the the length of the campaign then you can spill out your backstory to the other people and that also lets you oh you know i made this dark broody awful you know evil person and we're in a goody two-shoes campaign maybe i should lighten him up a little (laughs) (laughs) never mind no no i want to be the dark and brooding Uh, it's it's uh lego batman when he went to the uh toy world during the lego movies i I love will and We've had that in, you know, in, I remember one of our first campaigns, um, the monk character that was with us, uh, who hasn't been on the show yet, um, his, ca- his character for that campaign was just not a, a personality fit with the rest of the party's uh, kind of more murder hobo <laughs> style yeah. of play. Mm-hmm. And, and so he, you know, he left the party and came in with an assassin instead that fit much more with that particular party's I'm going to murder mindset. people with smiles. Yeah. Yeah, so, so I mean, it's a character idea. Right? Sometimes so. if, you know, if you had you had started the campaign and you need to make those little tweaks, it's it's easier when it's not been so ingratiated. Like if I had based our entire campaign off of the character who left last night because like I said that character wasn't happy with it, how that character developed. Um, coincidentally, it's the same person, but <laughs> that's another story. <laughs> but uh, you know, if, if I had based the entire campaign on his backstory, I, you know, as a DM, I'd be up, a, you know, up against a wall right now. Fortunately, I didn't do that. But. Well, even like uh, my character, I, I thought about changing her from a bard to a monk because I enjoyed the personality, but the uh, the mechanics weren't working for what the uh, the group needed, um, and her personality is. She's very kind of aloof um, about anything other than what she cares about, which is her sister and her act, and uh, actually Rob's character, um, because she likes the tarot. (laughs) But um, I just felt like it wasn't meshing with with being a bard, uh, other than being in the show, because she just kind of goes with the flow. Doesn't really... uh, She's, uh, what, I think, awful neutral, so she's not got any particular one way or another. So I thought maybe a monk that would fit a little bit better. But it's so much work to change a character <laughs> it over. It really yeah. is yeah. a lot. And I think one of the things that would helps when developing personalities in particular is actually starting to play the character. Yeah. Ba- yeah. Bouncing off other people's personalities and seeing how their characters interact it helps develop and solidify your own characters. Well, D&D is a social game. It's it's meant to be, pl- like, it really is. You can't play by yourself. It'd be a little weird. I mean, we all know somebody that probably could. But this is, a, it's a social game where you're meant to help out and, mm-hmm. you know, work with parties to overcome obstacles. And that's the idea behind it. So being able to, you know, if you're a good character and you're constantly fighting your foil, nigglewort, um, it's just one of those deals. So, yeah. well, 
It's been a good episode. I think it's we're almost done. Uh, we got a few more minutes left. I want to kind of throw out to again you guys out there uh, our Facebook page. Make sure you guys go out there and, and give it a like uh, to talk with us, talk to you. We always want to re- we'll respond to you guys. Uh, it's Chef Bolg and PC uh, on Facebook. If you email us, it's Bolg and PC. Uh, say again, curses. Oh, now nah, I know we were going to get into curses, but that's ah, we can save that for another day. Yeah. But uh, we do have that. Also, I just kind of want to throw this out there. If you got uh, the first five people to email us, we got these new stickers. I will personally email. I will personally write you a letter thanking you for emailing us. But if you get, send us your address, we're going to actually we'll send you out some stickers. We got some stickers made that have our QR code, so you can share with your friends. You can put up somewhere in like a Super Bowl commercial and crash a website for all we care. <laughs> Oh, but uh, I wanted to throw that out there. But anyway. Oh, yeah, and um, keep your eyes on the Facebook page because uh, the chef is cooking up some tasty recipes to be thrown on there every once in a while. Uh, I've got one in my in head in my head right now that I'm going to work on when we get uh, when I get home and uh, maybe post up there before the episode shows up. Well, with that being said, it's been a wonderful adventure with all of my bestest friends. I want to thank Loke and obviously Chef Bogue himself, but more importantly, thank you, Rob, for coming in and hanging out with us today. Of course. Awesome. I appreciate you guys. Make sure you guys hang out with us again in the future. As always, say goodbye, Bogue. Goodbye, Bogue. Say goodbye, Loke. See ya. Bye. Hello? We appreciate you listening to Chef Bog and the Pirate Captains, recipes for everything. Featuring Loke the Bard, of course. Make sure you go find us on Facebook to see what old concoctions Bog is cooking up in the kitchen. And if you want your emails read, then email us at bogandpc at gmail.com. And as always, happy adventures. Yarrr.